Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen. Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hello, friends. Steve Stockton here with you. Welcome to our latest video. In this episode, we continue our journey into Spirited Away, the seemingly overlooked cases of missing indigenous men, women, and children from around the globe. Now, the United States alone currently recognizes 574 Native American tribes. In most cases, these reservations are vast expanses of wild, untamed terrain covering thousands of miles. It's often difficult for investigators to even identify the agency in charge of each case due to jurisdictional issues and a lack of manpower. Cases that are rarely covered by local media, let alone the mainstream media. They are the forgotten people. This continuing series that we call Spirited Away is for those families that are seeking help and is dedicated to each missing indigenous man, woman, and child. We will not let their voices be silenced. Join us. Sitting on 1.5 million acres in the Rocky Mountains and bordering the beautiful Glacier National Park in Montana and Canada, the Blackfeet Reservation is home to 15,560 registered tribe members. Around 7,000 Blackfeet members live on or near the reservation, having three branches, the Northern Blackfeet, the Blood, and the Pagan. The name Blackfoot is said to have come from the color of their moccasins, having been colored by the ash from fires or from being painted. The Blackfoot members sustain themselves through means of manufacturing pens, pencils, and markers at a local factory, and also by the way of sales of hay, barley, and wheat, and other agricultural skills. Within the 1.5 million acres of land that still belongs to the Blackfoot people, there are many points of interest in historical sites, which include the Blackfoot Crossing Historical Park, conceived for the promotion of the culture, language, and traditional ways. The Blackfoot also reside in Canadian areas of Saskatchewan and Alberta. These areas were once controlled solely by the Blackfoot tribe before white settlers moved in. But in 1883-84, to 84, the Blackfoot suffered a great famine because they were limited as to where they could hunt and the buffalo population in the area had been wiped out. Completely dependent on the U.S. government at this point, the Blackfoot sold over 800,000 acres of land to the United States that would become part of Glacier National Park in 1910. The sale was completed in 1895 under duress of the tribal chief White Calf. He was concerned with the loss of the sacred mountain land and access to the area. The government made a deal with the tribe to access the area free of charge for religious purposes, but not until well into the 1900s. And they were still restricted from hunting the area, even though they were struggling with food shortages. A famous saying from a tribeswoman is still true to this day. It goes as follows. We are put here for purpose. 
and that is to guard our Columbia River Basin. That is why we are still here, and that is why the spirits are never going to let us go. Ashley Heavy Runner Loring Young lady has become the unofficial face of the epidemic of the missing. Many websites, podcasts, news outlets, YouTube channels, and even politicians have spoken about her case. The lack of resources and attention given to the cause for investigations, searches, and manpower often cause delays that are crucial in the beginning of missing person cases. After the cases are reported and searches commence, initial attention is usually only a few days to weeks before the case is either shelved waiting for leads or goes completely cold. Funding is almost always an issue. Having interviewed many families over the last year, the constant topic as to why searches were scaled back was money and lack of manpower. President Joe Biden created and signed into law a task force on November 15, 2021, called Operation Lady Justice, a.k.a. Savannah's Act, Not Invisible Act, and the already established Missing and Murdered Indigenous Persons Initiative. That's in Executive Order 14053. That's supposed to help handle these issues, as well as provide a liaison for the families of the missing and murdered. These acts were to focus on bringing together the Departments of Health and Human Services, Departments of the Interior, Department of Justice, and the Tribal Council members to help aid families in searches for the missing. Having asked the families about contact from the liaison, most have said they either never had contact or minimal contact with no follow-up. The same can be said for most tribal police departments. There is no one reason for the slow response, but it's mostly budget cuts and lack of funding. Ashley's sister, Kimberly Loring, has led her sister's missing persons investigation since the case stalled back in 2017. In February of 2018, the FBI joined the cold case at the Bureau of Indian Affairs' request. Another issue with missing indigenous cases is jurisdictional arguments among policing entities. Reservations are federally owned land, meaning several law enforcement agencies can conduct their own investigations separately or choose to join together. In Ashley's case, the FBI didn't join local tribal police and the BIA until two months into the investigation. The following account is the facts as they're told by family members and police reports available to the public online and through their departments. 20-year-old Ashley Heavy Runner Loring was a vibrant and beautiful woman just starting her life in Glacier County, Browning, Montana, on a ranch when she went missing. Ashley's described as having a big heart, positive attitude, and a selfless desire to help people, especially missing indigenous people. She started to take notice of the hundreds of missing native peoples, not just here in the States, but around the world. She was said to have discussed this with her sister Kimberly right before she herself went missing. Sis, those girls are going missing in Canada. Something is happening to them and I want to help, her older sister Kimberly recalled Ashley saying. She wanted to bring awareness to their plight. One of the many selfless conversations she had with her sister before she disappeared. Just a few months after having this conversation with Kimberly, Ashley would disappear under baffling and mysterious circumstances. Ashley was attending Blackfeet Community College, studying environmental science. Loxie Loring, Ashley's mother, said of her daughter, she loved horses and the rain. Ashley is smart, athletic, positive, and always willing to help someone. A childhood friend is quoted as describing her as emotionally, physically, and spiritually strong. On June 5, 2017, Ashley Heavy Runner Loring went by her parents' house, and it was reported she was seen later that day or evening at a party. 
Family and friends had tried to reach out to her, but calls and texts went unanswered and voice messages went unchecked, never being returned. She was constantly losing phones or breaking them, and so we thought that might be the case, her family said. It wasn't unheard of for Ashley to fall off for a couple of days, but not for this long. The family also thought that Ashley may have been visiting another family member, but when Ashley's father was unexpectedly hospitalized for liver failure and she didn't return several urgent calls telling her that he was in the hospital, they knew something was very, very wrong, as they are a very close-knit family. At the time of her disappearance, she was planning to move in with her sister Kimberly in Missoula and attend the University of Montana. When Kimberly returned from Morocco after visiting her fiancé, Ashley was supposed to move in with her to start their lives new together. Something terrible happened to my sister, she says. She was so friendly and so willing to trust people. And that's why I believe Ashley was taken advantage of and was hurt, because of the person she is. We won't give up looking for her. Someone in the community knows where she is. That was a quote from Kimberly for People magazine. The family reached out to other family members and friends of Ashley, hoping they had seen her or knew where she was. But no one in her family had heard anything from her since June 5. The last night anyone saw Ashley, she had attended a party, and there's a video of her sitting on a couch talking to friends and having a good time. She had messaged her sister, asking if Kimberly could send her some money. Kimberly replied that she couldn't because she was out of the country. She asked Ashley if she was okay, in which she replied yes. When it was determined that Ashley was indeed missing, Kimberly went to tribal and Blackfeet law enforcement to report her sister missing. Initially, the police took the common attitude of, she's an adult and allowed to go missing. But after a couple of days, the police launched a three-day search for Ashley. When the search concluded, they stopped communicating with the family and were less helpful. The family then went to the Bureau of Indian Affairs, and although they did end up helping Ashley's family, it took them two months to get seriously involved. It's not a crime for an adult to go missing, and because Ashley is 20 years old, she could go anywhere, anytime, without permission. However, this was completely out of character for her. Ashley's family feels like law enforcement didn't handle her case the way they should have, and valuable time and possible evidence was lost. Justin Loring, Ashley's uncle, says, they should have taken it serious from the beginning. They, meaning law enforcement, just kind of blew it off as she was of legal age and she's just out there. She could do what she wants. About two weeks after Ashley went missing, the family received their first tip. Someone contacted them and said they witnessed a young woman running from a vehicle on U.S. Highway 89 on the Blackfeet Reservation. That area is known to be lonely, desolate, and surrounded by thick vegetation and forest that's swamp-like. Another search was formed, and family and friends went to search the area. A few hours into the search, they found a gray sweater that looked just like one Ashley owned. The sweater was collected and turned over to the BIA for testing. As time passed and the family became more desperate for law enforcement to take Ashley's case serious, Kimberly took it upon herself to go out and conduct daily searches on the Blackfeet Reservation and in the surrounding areas, teaching herself along the way how to do the detective work that the police weren't doing. She would read messages, search social media sites, take phone calls, and follow up on all tips and leads. While doing all this work, she stayed in contact with local law enforcement and the BIA. It was on one of these phone calls to the BIA that Kimberly found out that the sweater they had found and submitted for testing had never been sent to the crime lab. 
It had, in fact, been sitting in an evidence box at the Bureau of Indian Affairs for months. On another search, another sweater was found, along with a pair of red-stained boots. The sweater was torn and had red stains on it as well that appeared to be blood. Both of these clothing items were found on the reservation in the Northern Edge area by a house owned by 52-year-old Sam McDonald. Before Ashley disappeared, she had been struggling with a bad breakup with her first love and the loss of her grandfather. To cope, Ashley experimented with drugs and hanging out with an older crowd that did and supplied them. This crowd included Sam McDonald. In fact, Mr. McDonald was one of the last people to see Ashley by his own admission. During questioning, he admitted that he had partied with Ashley for a few days after she was last seen by her family and claimed that she asked him to take her to a pull-off on the Blackfeet Reservation to meet a guy named V-Dog, or Paul Valenzuela, so he could pick her up. He stated he took her to the place she had asked him to, and they fell asleep in the car. When he woke up, Ashley was nowhere to be seen, and after looking for her for a while, he assumed she left with the other guy like she had planned. Sam McDonald simply left the area and returned home. He was questioned about Ashley's disappearance, and his house was searched. Items that were taken from his home were tested along with the other items that were found by the family. The test results have never been released. Nine months after Ashley Heavy Runner Loring disappeared, the FBI finally took over the case because the investigation took local police off the reservation into nearby states. The FBI found the man known as V-Dog, or Paul Valenzuela, a man in his 50s and a known criminal with an extensive record. Paul and his then-wife, Tashina Running Cane, also known as T, were having issues in their marriage, and Ashley's family had reported that Ashley and Paul had been seeing each other prior to her disappearance. A month after the FBI started their investigation and questioning of the couple, Paul filed for a divorce from Tashina. She told police she had no idea that her husband was seeing Ashley until after she learned that Ashley was missing. Ashley's family has not lost hope nor given up looking for her. Her sister Kimberly told the Great Falls Tribune in 2020, The not knowing is the worst part. We're holding on to hope, and we will bring her home. We try to look on the bright side, but we are living a nightmare. As of the making of this video, there have been no arrests and no new leads in this case. The Loring family deserves answers and justice. Ashley deserves to be home. Ashley Heavy Runner Loring was last seen at her parents' house and then at a party on June 5, 2017, in Glacier County, Browning, Montana. Ashley is described as being a Native American member of the Blackfeet tribe, having brown hair and brown eyes. She stands 5 foot 2 and was 20 years old at the time she went missing. No one has been named a person of interest nor have been named as a suspect in this case and no arrests have been made. Kimberly Loring did everything she could think of to help aid in the searches and investigations. Frustration turned to determination and to bring attention and change to cases like her sister's. Kimberly ended up testifying in front of the Senate about her experiences, struggles, and mismanagement of evidence in Ashley's case. She's quoted as saying, From the very beginning, both the Blackfeet Tribal Law Enforcement and the Bureau of Indian Affairs have ignored the dire situation that Ashley is in and have allowed the investigation to be handled in a dysfunctional manner. This isn't just a reality for our family, but a reality for many missing Indigenous women's families. 
Ashley's case is but one of thousands of missing indigenous women, children, and men just in the United States alone. The families of the missing are in crises, trying to find people to help get their loved ones' stories out and circulate in the public forums. Newspapers, vlogs, blogs, national news outlets, anywhere they can get eyes and ears and attention on these stories. Since Ashley's disappearance, Kimberly Loring has quit her job, moved back home, and continues to search for her sister. She's completed more than 120 searches, with very little, if any, assistance from the police, FBI, BIA, and the Blackfeet Tribal Police. It's believed that Ashley Heavy Runner Loring doesn't have access to her phone and may have been headed to the Washington State area. There was no further information as to why this was a possibility. If you or anyone you know has any information on the Ashley Loring Heavy Runner disappearance or the events leading up to it, no matter how small or insignificant it may seem, you're asked to please contact the Browning Police Department at 406 338-4000 or call the Blackfeet Tribal Law Enforcement Dispatch Center 406-338-4000 or the FBI Salt Lake City Field Office at 801-579-1400 or toll free at 1-800-CALL-FBI. Tips can also be submitted online at tip.fbi.gov. In order to help raise awareness, everyone is asked to share the hashtag FindAshleyHeavyRunner. There is one update. Several podcasts and news outlets have updated the Ashley Heavy Runner Loring case, but it seems there are no new leads. If there are, police are keeping them quiet. In 2021, Up and Vanished podcast recorded an update on the Ashley Heavy Runner Loring case and conducted an interview with her sister, Kimberly. In January of 2022, a&E True Crime Blog also gave an update with some very interesting statistics for missing Indigenous cases. There are several rewards offered by different agencies and by Loring's family. Up and Disappeared is offering $50,000 for information in her case that leads to an arrest, and the family is offering up to $15,000. There have also been several awareness walks to bring attention to her case and the thousands of other missing Indigenous cases across the United States reservations. Again, if you have any information about Ashley Heavy Runner Loring, please contact the FBI or your local law enforcement entity. Well, folks, there you have it. What a tragic case. One that wanted to help the missing goes missing herself. I look forward to your comments, but please keep it friendly and respectful. The families of the victims do watch these videos and leave comments. In the meanwhile, be good to yourselves and each other. And be careful out there. As for me, I'll see you a little farther on down the trail. I'm Steve Stockton, and I'll talk to you next time. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, Cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today 
at admissions.temple.edu visit.